Well, good morning, everyone, and Merry Christmas. Glad that you're here today. Thank you guys for being here. Those of you who are are here in the house, uh, I doubt we have anybody on the backstage patio, but maybe, uh, and stay warm. Don't stay out too long. So uh, those of you who are joining us at home, thank you guys for joining us. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, as we are continuing in our series. It's actually the, the kind of second to last installment, I guess, if you will, in our series uh, called The Divine Interruption. It's week four in this series called Divine Interruption. And the reason I say it's kind of the last is because today is our last in our series, but we got a little bonus, I guess, episode for you, if you will, um, that's coming out for Church at Home. And so uh, we have uh, gone through all these series as of today, but Church at Home, it's a little extra one for you. This is on Sunday, um, January the 1st, uh, and uh, we are not going to be here. If you're here that Sunday, it's just going to be you, okay? So uh, I would bring something to eat and um, have fun with that. But uh, there's, uh, you can find on the app at HHICC app, you guys can find Church at Home. It's on the app only. Um, but it'll be available. There's going to be a study guide to go along with it. And I've kind of included, like, I've, what I've done is an extra in this series to kind of finish it off. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of church at home this year. We do this every year on, on the uh, last Sunday of the year, the first Sunday of the year, depending on how the calendar falls. And we do it to give our staff and volunteers some time off after a busy uh, Christmas season and busy holiday season. So I want to encourage you guys to be a part of church at home. We've been looking at the Christmas story and some of the characters that were closely related to the Christmas story really have taken a deep dive a bit on Zachariah and Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph, but we also looked at the innkeeper, we looked at the shepherds, and we've been looking at really what happens when God interrupts our world and interrupts our lives. And so many of those characters that were there when Jesus was born, uh, they, God interrupted their lives in a, in a really remarkable way, a very kind of very obvious way, uh, a very public way with the birth of the Savior. Uh, but we've also been talking about how God will interrupt our lives on occasion to get our attention, to move us, to change our path, maybe to, for us to, to go to that kind of next thing that he wants for our lives. It might be something totally different than what we have in mind. And so we've been talking about what do we do when God interrupting our lives means that our, un, our, our expectations are unmet. Uh, what do we do when we are fearful of what God is doing? What do we do when there's uncertainty? We talked about the subject of uncertainty last week. And today we're talking about what do we do when God interrupts in a way that the circumstances and the situation cannot be explained. When those circumstances and situations intersect our lives and and God interrupts in a way that's really mysterious or miraculous. Now, um, some of you, uh, I see the glare of your phone, and some of you, I know what's going on right now because it is the second half of the final game of the World Cup. I get it. You guys are watching Argentina and you're watching France. And I know what the score was about five minutes ago because I'm a soccer fan, or as they call it the rest of the world, I'm a football fan, okay? So I, I know that. And I'll tell you that today, right now, um, at 1123, if, the, if the, the miracle of the U.S. 
uh, playing in the final game of the World Cup, we'd be doing something different here today. I'm just letting you know. So I guess what I'm saying is <laughs> miracles uh, didn't occur for them, but miracles do occur, right? So I'm okay with the glare of the phone if you guys are watching that final game. So anyway, so uh, one of these days, maybe that miracle will occur. Maybe it'll be in my lifetime. Maybe not. I don't know. But uh, anyway, so go Argentina. That's for our partner, Sergio, down in Buenos Aires. So anyway, all right. So uh, God is a God of miracles. God is a God of things that we can't explain. He will interrupt our lives, and he has interrupted the world, and he has broken the barrier between us and him in ways that we don't understand. And I think that part of our problem as followers of Jesus, as, as people of God, is, is that sometimes we're not, we're not paying attention to the fact that he is at work in the background. We're not watching out for him to be making those arrangements for you to meet that person, to be networked with that person. We're not watching out for him to heal you from that disease that the doctor said there's no way that you'll ever get over. We're not looking for him to, to come into our impossible situation and provide a way. And so therefore, because we're not looking for it, because we have unmet expectations and we have fear and we have uncertainty, sometimes because we're not looking for and we're not expecting God to do the amazing work of a miracle in our life, I believe that we are spiritually unaware to accept when it happens. And so when we do have that thing that we can't explain happen in our lives, what happens is, is because we're unaware that God is at work and we're not paying attention, we don't know what to do. So then when the unexplained happens in our lives, what do we do? We go to Google to try to find out how could this possibly have happened. We have to rationalize it. We have to apply science to it. We have to think that there's, there must be some other movement, some other force in our lives. But here's the thing. This is where kind of like this, these leaps of faith happen, this kind of rubber meets the road with our faith. Is, it's kind of the whole point that when God is doing a work in our lives and when that intersection happens of, of our lives and he intersects and he just goes, hey, I'm going to take you in a different direction and you can't explain those circumstances, that's exactly where he wants you. But I think that we need to be prepared for when we see those God sightings in our lives. Years ago, um, we've been here, Cynthia and I've been here, we started this church along with uh, many other people back uh, 15 years ago, uh, and it was shortly after that that I was introduced to John Eve, and I've got to give John Eve credit for, for giving me this idea of a God sighting. He's the uh, director of Rogue Kids, one of our partners down in Belize, uh, since we've been down in Belize over these past 15 years helping them out, we've also helped start a church called Dunamis Ministries down there. Um, there are some amazing things spiritually happening in Belize. But the first time that we went to Belize, I remember John, at the end of the day, how many of you have been on missions trips before? Raise your hand. Uh, how many of you have been on missions trips? Sometimes with missions trips, it's, there can be chaos, right? Talk about the unexpected and unexplained. 
and, and we would get together every evening, usually after dinner, before everybody, everybody goes to bed, we would get together and we'd have a daily debrief. And the daily debrief often happens like this. Uh, what's your high from today? A lot of times that's so. I, met a, I saw a kid that was you know, frowning yesterday and today they're smiling. I got to, you know, uh, play soccer, football uh, with some of the kids, and that was a lot of fun. You know, pizza might have been the high for the day at lunch, right? You know, you just never know. Actually, we never had pizza for lunch. That never happens. It would have been for dinner. And then we would talk about the lows. What happened today? What was the lows? Man, I, I hurt. I twisted my ankle. Um, you know, one of the kids that we expected to be there from the day before didn't show up. But John added this one little thing that we did for our debrief every night. So what were some God sightings today? And I love that because what he did is he put us in a position where we were focusing on the external things, the highs and the lows of the day. But he wanted us to dig a little bit deeper and he wanted us to be paying attention to those connections that God would make to those things that were happening that we would go, there's no other explanation for this other than God. I remember one time there was always, we always had trouble with the bus, right? And the bus would like get a flat tire or, you know, uh, it might you know, be uh, kind of you know, a bumpy road, which <laughs> they're all bumpy there. And so, you know, uh, one time we got stuck in the front kind of yard of this farm, and I thought, well, we're going to, I mean, I was worried. It was my low of the day, right? You're like, we're going to be here forever. I'm, you know, we're going to have to spend the night on this bus, and here we are in Belize. There's no cell signal. And God used that couple of hours. We ended up getting out. He used that couple of hours for us to make a connection with the people who own that farm, and they weren't even mad at us. <laughs> And so my eyes were open to the fact that God is in the miracle business, and sometimes we're expecting a miracle that's this, this big public like interruption of God that is on this grand scale that needs to be in the newspaper, and sometimes God is working in the mundane of our lives behind the scenes, ordering our steps. We're just not looking for them. We're not expecting them. And so we're spiritually unprepared for them. But I want you to hear today, church, that God is in the business of miracles, even to this day. There's a sign in Edinburgh in Scotland that says miracles do not happen here. And I want you to know that God is in the miracle business, and God does miracles here and he does it there, and he does it over there, and he is in the miracle business today. And we, church, we need to be looking for them. We need to be anticipating them. We need to see where he's at work. See, that's what I want to talk about today is, is where are we in terms of expecting and being prepared for God to work in ways that we can't. Explain. There were so many things happening in the Christmas story that can't be explained other than that God was at work. The star of Bethlehem that brought people to the manger, 
that brought people to the place where Jesus was born. We, we try to take a look at all these you know, a- astronomical charts to try to figure out if the planets were aligning at that day and at that time and at that hour. How about it was just God? <laughs> we try to figure out that like somehow like Joseph had it in his mind to go back to Bethlehem. No, God was ordering his steps to go to Bethlehem. He was ordering Mary's steps. He was involved with the innkeeper. He was involved with the shepherds that gathered there. The fact that Bethlehem was the town that they had to report to at that very time, in that very day and age, God was ordering the steps of Mary and Joseph to be there. And by the way, hundreds and thousands of years earlier, the prophets had predicted that Bethlehem would be where the Messiah would come from. You see, God is at work, and we just need to be paying attention to what he's doing. Luke chapter 1, I want to read a good portion of this as we're in week 4, just to kind of summarize and bring this to a close. I want you to see the, the, the occurrence of events. As we've talked about Mary over these past few weeks, I'm going to ask you once again to put yourselves in the shoes of Mary who was really a young girl, probably no more than about 14 or 15 years old when this happened. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, listen to this. Now, again, put yourself in Mary's shoes for a moment. Verse 31, here's the miracle that the angel Gabriel is talking about. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father, David. I mean, Mary's probably at this point in time going, really? Are you kidding me? And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, and of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, here's where the miracle is. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. And look at verse 37. It says this. For nothing will be impossible with God. I want you to say that verse with me. Let's all say it together. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You know, God interrupts our lives all the time. 
And I think when we think of miracles, we're thinking of the kind of miracle that, that, that happened to Mary. And, and I want you to know today that um, there's a, there's a, a high, it's very highly unlikely um, that you're going to have the same type of miracle that Mary had in her life. In fact, I'll say today, that's not going to happen to any of you, okay? But here's the thing. God still works miracles in our lives. He still is the God of the impossible in your he is the God of the possible in your impossible situation. He is the one that can see you through and will guide you through the most annoying, difficult, hard-to-understand situation in your life. He's the one that may be bringing that job. I want you to hear, because I think some of you may need to hear this today. He's the one that may be bringing that job to a close, miraculously ordering your steps in the background so that you are willing and open to taking that next step for what he wants for his glory and for your best. Without him working in the background, it may never happen. See, sometimes the miracles occur in the mundane of life. Sometimes they're big. Sometimes they're very public. I'm talking about that with church at home. Sometimes they're public, they're in the public eye. Sometimes they are the type of situations that if more and more people knew about them, they would make the news. But we need to be ready and willing and open to the fact that God may show up in a miraculous way and ready spiritually to receive the fact that God is the God of the impossible. That he is still at work. That he is still ordering our steps. That he is still the one that makes things that we think can't be done, done. Jesus himself echoed this very same words in, in Matthew chapter 19. It was so interesting. He's, he's giving this, this story which Jesus, Jesus so often told in stories. He, he tried to convey a heavenly meeting in these stories that he would tell. And he's telling this story to his disciples about how hard it is to get into heaven. And, and Jesus was such a great storyteller, but he, he was also God, so he knew what he was doing, right? So he's leading his disciples to exactly the place that they got to when he was done telling this story about how hard it is to get into heaven. They said to him, well, well that's impossible. And Jesus answered in Matthew 19, 26, he said this, yeah, with, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And Mary... When the impossible thing happened to her, when this angel visited her and blew her mind, I'm sure Mary was like, you have got, Gabriel, you got the wrong person. There's no way this can be me. I'm not, I'm not old enough, not smart enough, not spiritual enough. There's nothing about this that makes sense. Like, give me a new messenger. Give me a new message. <laughs> What's going on here? In that moment, what was her response? She said two things that I pray. I pray that I, and I pray that you, and I pray that we as God's people will be able to say when God does the impossible, when he moves in our lives, when he changes our course, she says, I am the Lord's servant. Oh, man. To be that willing to use that word with God. I am your 
servant. And in that moment, what she was saying was she was saying, whatever, whatever God asks, I will do. I am the servant. But the second thing that she said that I think is even deeper and even more meaningful is she said those words that the Beatles made famous for us. She said, you can say it with me, let it be. (laughs) Let it be. It's an interesting turn on that phrase and the original language when it was translated in the Latin uh, people that spoke Latin, spoken Latin in that day and age, they had this phrase that they learned. It was a bit of an idiom. It was something that they used. They were like, you know, they used it, and it was called Mary's Fiat, not the car, not the European car that's way too small. Uh, they were talking about Mary's willingness to say to God, I am willing to do whatever you want. It's called the divine imperative. And I love that. And as a matter of fact, in the original language, when it was translated into Latin, they used it to describe what Mary said in that phrase when the angel Gabriel visited her, but they also used it to describe in Genesis chapter 1 when God says, let there be light. You see, and a miracle occurred in creation, and a miracle occurred in the birth of the Savior. What do we do? What do we do when God interrupts our lives with the the inexplicable? Whether it's something that we view as good or whether it's something that we view as negative, what do we do? How do we react? How do we get to the place where we, like Mary, say, I am the Lord's servant, let it be? I want to talk briefly this morning about four ways when we can't explain the situations that are going on in our lives and we know it's God, we can't explain it scientifically, we can't explain it with reason, we know it's God. The first thing is is that we need to embrace the wonder of God. Embrace the wonder of God. You know, we get captivated with so many things in this world We get captivated with things that are man-made. We get captivated with with things that are going on technologically. And, hey, I get captivated with sports. But what if we got captivated with God, like truly embraced the wonder of God? I mean, allow yourself to actually sit, and rather than worshiping the creation, when you see the glory of God, especially in the place where we live, what if we stopped and turned our wonder to not the creation, but the one who created it. What if when we look at our lives and realize what an amazing miracle our lives are in the first place, what an amazing thing it is that God saved the world in the way that he did, what if we stopped and just embraced the wonder of God? Wow, our world has lost the wonder of God, hasn't it? We've got this great thing It also begins with the letter G. It's called Google. (laughs) And we go to Google to try to explain everything, don't we? I do it. When in reality, we just need to embrace the wonder of God. 
allow yourself to be captivated by the wonder of God. There was this, uh, this point in Jesus' ministry when he just performed a miracle where he healed a man who was paralyzed, and uh, his disciples were kind of going back and forth about this miracle that Jesus had just, uh, just uh, performed. And in Luke chapter 5, 26, it says, amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen an extraordinary thing, or we have seen extraordinary things today. What have you seen in your life recently that's extraordinary? That's beyond explanation? See, God works in the realm of the things that we can't see. And our job, as Mary's was, is to embrace the wonder of God. Secondly, I think that we need to learn to accept the mystery of God. Accept the mystery of God. Accept that he is involved in a mysterious way in your life and mine. And the Apostle Paul, when he's writing the letter to the church in Corinth, he actually talks about this, and he says that this, he's comparing the spiritual man or the spiritual person to the natural person, the one who focuses just on the temporal things, just on the earthly things. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 2.14. He says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. My prayers is that, that I and that you and that we are people who are looking for God to be working in the background. And he's doing something that's mysterious in our lives. Jesus is talking about the resurrection in his ministry, he's talking about the resurrection and, and the, the people that were listening were some of the religious leaders and, and they were saying, hey, the resur this whole idea of a resur resurrection, it's impossible. It can't exist. It's, it doesn't happen. <laughs> and Jesus answered him. I love how blunt he was in Matthew 22, verse 29. He says, you're wrong. He just says, you're wrong. Like, we have this picture of Jesus that he's like, going to be very diplomatic here. Hey, you, know, you might want to consider a different answer. Uh, no, he just says you're wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. May it never be said, church, that we don't know the power of God. May it never be said that, said that I don't know the power of God. We need to also be careful to resist worry. We need to accept the, the mystery of God, embrace the wonder of God, and resist the temptation to worry about what God is up to. Jesus told his followers in John 14, 27, maybe some of you need to hear this right now about your situation, that it may seem like some craziness is going on in your life. It may seem like that phone call that you received from the doctor last week. Don't Google it, by the way. <laughs> Never Google what your doctor says. That is like dangerous stuff right there. But maybe some of you need to hear this. Peace, Jesus says. Peace, he says. Peace. I even need to hear that right now in this moment. Peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. He says, not as the world gives, do I give it to you. He says, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. God may be working in the background. He may be performing miracles, and it might get a little uncomfortable either before or during or after. And I want you to hear today, peace. That's what Jesus wants you to hear. Peace. 
Then lastly, when he's performing that miracle, when he's doing that thing, when he's ordering those circumstances and your situation in a place where it may seem like it's impossible, our job, once it's all said and done, is to yield to him. To yield to God. I want you to think about that word yield. We, on the streets of Hilton Head, don't understand what yield means. Especially in a traffic circle. That's for those of you who are vacationing here. We're glad to have you, by the way. Thanks for being here. We don't understand what it means to yield. We don't understand that spiritually, do we? We don't understand what it means to yield to God. And so God, listen, God may be doing something right now in your life. And he may be doing something in the life of your family. And it may be impossible to understand in the circumstances and situation. It may not make sense scientifically with reason or logic. And not yielding to God may mean that you're pushing up against it and you're kicking it and kicking it and kicking it and trying to shut it down. And I want to say to you and to me, it's time for us just to yield to what God is doing. Yield to him. Paul in Romans chapter 12 is writing this letter to the church at Rome and he says essentially, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to the will and the way of God. And so often in our lives, when, when we set out to try to figure things out in our minds, in our logic, in our reason, we buy into the very thing that Paul, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, said, do not be conformed to. But lean in to him. The divine interruption means when God moves, it's your move. When God is at work, it's time for you to respond. I realize there's going to be unmet expectations. There are going to be selfish desires. There are going to be things that you had in your mind. There's going to be fear. There might be trembling. There might be times and circumstances which it seems overwhelming. There may be uncertainty. We talked about that last week. There may be things that just are as clear as mud. And there may be circumstances and situations which you cannot explain. But listen, Christ follower, if you and I know that God is at work in our lives, and our job is to watch for it and yield to what he wants for our lives. Don't think for a minute that miracles cannot occur today. Don't think for a second that he is not able to do more than we can imagine or ask or think. Do you know the very fact that you're here on this earth, that you were born in the place that you were born, to the parents that you were born to, in the time that you were born into, is a miracle in itself? Years ago, scientists tried to figure out what are the odds of life? <laughs> don't, go to the rabbit, don't go down the rabbit hole too much on that question, but what are the odds that you were born when you were born, in the time that you were born, in the place you were born, to the people that you were born into. 
And they somehow figured out that it's one in 400 trillion odds that you are here today alive. You came into this world when you did, in the place that you were, to the people that you were, in the situation that you were. And I'm kind of glad scientists put some numbers to that. Because one in 400 trillion, it's hard, it's hard for us to even get our minds around. So here's my point. The fact that you are living is a miracle in itself. Don't tell me that God is not a God of miracles. He is. Maybe he wants to show you something today, this Christmas, this year. Maybe he's got something amazing waiting for you on the other side. Whatever it is you're facing, the difficulty you're facing today. Let's embrace his wonder. Let's accept his mystery. Let's be people who resist the temptation to worry. Let us be people who at the end of the day will yield to God's leading in our lives. And he leads. Father, I pray for everyone in this place. I pray for those who are listening online. God, I pray for those who came into this place today with something in their life that seems like it is impossible. Father, I pray that you would do a miracle. Father, that person that knows they've got a phone call coming up that they know is going to be just wrought with all kind of difficulty and trouble, a confrontation that maybe they needed to have had years ago that they, they are dreading. Maybe it's a job situation. Maybe it's a, an impossible thing at work that they, they just know there's just no way and Father, it's in the no way, whether it's health, whether it's relationships, whether it's financial, whatever it is in this room. Father, I pray that you would help us in those moments when it seems impossible to realize that you are still at work. Let us be people who whatever you say to us, however you are leading us, wherever you're guiding us, whatever change you want to make, whatever miracle you want to do, God, I pray that you would make us, make me, make us your people, people who say I'm your servant. Let it be. Let it be. Let it be. God, I thank you for the miracle of life, the miracle of creation. And God, I thank you for the miracle that you performed in sending your son to this world to die for this world. And Father, I pray that those who may not know you, that this Christmas season, that they would accept your miracle in their lives, that they would receive the eternal life that you have for them. Father, help us to lean in, to yield to what you are doing. In Jesus' name, I pray.